0: You're listening to a Mint podcast, brought to you by HD Smartcast.
1: Hi everyone, this is Shovik, and welcome to the Mint Tech etc podcast. I cover technology for Mint where we try to make boring tech sound cool for you and hope that we don't end up making cool tech sound boring. Tune in as we decode the latest from the world of technology in India and around the world every week. This episode is hosted by Deepti Ahuja, the content head of HD Smartcast, the podcast division of HD Media Limited. Over to you, Deepthi.
0: This episode of Mint etc is brought to you by Newton. The Indian fintech industry is estimated to be about 150 billion US dollars by 2025. Due to the rising per capita income, introduction of new products, innovation and technology, expanding distribution and networking plus the increasing financial literacy amongst customers who avail such financial products, India has the third largest fintech ecosystem globally. But this sector comes with its own set of challenges, especially in a country like ours where 65% of our population is rural. So what are these challenges and how can they be tackled to progress this sector and thereby our economy? That is what we are going to discuss in this episode of Mint Tech etc. For that, we are joined by Mr. Ritesh Verma, Head of Business Solutions Group, and Mr. Sunil Pandita, Head of Sales India and South Asia at NewGen. Both of them have been instrumental in digitally transforming services offered by this company. Hi, Ritesh. Hi, Sunil. How are
2: you? Hi. Thank you for having us here.
0: It's our pleasure. So, Sunil, to begin with you, uh, the BFSI sector has seen, uh, you know, a fair share of change in customer needs. How has Newton adapted to such shifting needs over the years?
3: So, if you look at uh, BFSI, uh, it's been... uh, Sector which has always been at the forefront of technology adoption, and it's seen many challenges over the last few years. And uh, those challenges are driven by change in customer expe- expectations in a very diverse customer segment. So you have uh, you have a customer who is a millionaire on the one side, and you also have a customer who is a priority set sector lending customer. So that that expanse is very very wide. Now, <clears throat> uh, in the quest of going completely digital. The financial services companies are also wanting to leverage the India stack, which has been made available. And that's wonderful thing that has happened in the financial services industry today. Mm. It has really democratized uh, all the uh, processes, all the journeys within financial services industry today. So we saw the trend, we caught the trend very early. We have uh, been uh, working in the financial service space for a long time with our uh, uh, platform, uh, which is a low-code built hyper-automation platform. And with an understanding of domain of banking, where again, we have been leaders for, for many, many years, uh, we were quick to adopt uh, the changes in the way banks and financial services companies lend and onboard their customers, uh, right, from, uh, right from the inception of onboarding them, uh, servicing them, then uh, you know collections and everything. Uh, as a platform, uh, we make the journey uh, straight through. So we help in uh, DIY and uh, with AI uh, as part of the new Junon platform. We are also able to help in decisioning as part of the uh, as part of customer customer journeys and. Uh, uh, with with uh, with front office taken care of and a very strong uh, mid office, mm. we also have built integrations with uh, with uh, you know various partners, various uh, players in the ecosystem. And any banking journey, any financial uh, services journey today is incomplete without uh, being aligned as an as a as a part of the overall uh, platform economy so our platform allows uh, you know uh, the financial services institutions to serve their customers and have an end-to-end journey which is orchestrated uh, which is straight through and which uh, leverages the stack that is available today in terms of various apis so that's what we have been doing wow. for the last few.
0: years. You've weeks. literally summed it all up in <laughs> one answer. Um, but but you know, of course, we'll go into the specifics. Uh, what are the specific challenges or pain points? Uh, you know that traditional legacy systems pose uh, Ritesh uh, and you know you've worked for two, decade, uh, two decades uh, in Nugent so I'm sure you have a lot of insight on that um, and um, how does low code uh, you know technology that Sunil was mentioning earlier how does it offer a more agile and a cost-effective solution
2: that's really interesting if you look at it banking or BFSI industry as such yeah. has changed a lot yeah. so it started with ATMs being introduced, Correct. and then uh, you get a fancy way of withdrawing yeah, money.
0: I remember in <laughs> <from> college, <laughs> my buyer transfer.
2: <laughs> so that's the starting point. We yeah. moved on to total bank branch automation, core banking came in, yeah. check truncation system came in. So it's undergoing transformation. And uh, digital is an imperative part of the whole transformation if you look at it. Uh, COVID just kind of expedited that transformation. So, no longer you need uh, people to visit branches and that's a given. So, the banking industry is changing at a pace which is unprecedented. And to manage that change, you can't have the legacy systems because legacy systems were built to handle things as they were. Yeah. So, if you look at a broader sense, a bank... Is nothing but an institution having multiple departments and multiple systems running. As Sunil talked about, the core challenge is how to orchestrate them all together and make them run as a system. So, if in a nutshell, the legacy systems can't handle that. Correct. Uh, so, you need a system which is able to bring it all together, hmm. thread it all together, help you move at a pace which the customer demands. And not how your bank wants to do it or an insurance company wants to do it. It's how the system is as per the policies and things like that. So uh, to do all of this, you need to automate at scale, integrate all of your departments together and make a seamless information flow from the front, that's the portal or apps, to the mid office, to the back office. Correct. And that includes doing it quickly, changing it quickly. And yeah. That's where low code comes in.
0: Yeah. So
2: low code based hyper automation is the only answer to kind of work on the system of engagement right. and disseminate it from the system of records.
0: That's really interesting. You know, we were just uh, just a couple of weeks ago we were recording another episode on AI and uh, banking came up, and we realized that. Maybe banks will be irrelevant, uh, you know, beyond a certain point. (laughs) And and, it will all be because, I mean, UPI transactions and everything, they are also credit based now, right? Like the government is also facilitating those kind of things. Um, So coming to the platform now, I mean, if it's tech first, if it's AI first, Coming to the platform, uh, how does the NewGen1 platform, along with the NewGen's contextual content service platforms, and I'm, I'm really interested in the content <laughs> uh, services platform, enhances uh, customer interaction, uh, streamlines processes, assists modern financial institutions in managing uh, the growing influx of content?
3: See, as you uh, mentioned in the first question, the legacy systems, and if you look at cores, uh, they uh, were able to serve banks for some time, but uh, what was evidenced during COVID was uh, the inability of a lot of systems to be able to serve customers uh, in a in a totally digital world. Hmm. So that's where the system of engagement comes in, and that's where Neogen plays a plays a big role now when we talk of system of engagement it's a combination of of your front office it's a combination of not just building those wonderful journeys or portal or mobile for your for your customers but it's also a function of how do you provision the subsequent services once you have onboarded a customer and that service could be you know how quickly I'm able to issue a checkbook to you once I've you know signed you up as a as a customer so that's where a strong orchestration there comes into play now, when you are doing that, it's also important that, that you have context. Uh, yes. And uh, where where do you get that context? So you get that context uh, in uh, as part of the process, as part of all the data related to the customer that you have, uh, which could be in your in your core or which could be in your uh, you know repository. Now, that context content has to be made available to the various participants in that journey. Uh, yeah in real time so that decision making can happen so we leverage that and also leverage the knowledge of the process right and leverage the knowledge of uh, the various steps and run our ai on top of that so that the decision making uh, we are able to facilitate a real-time you know uh, feedback uh, to the to the customer as part of as part of his journey Uh, so that you know he can take the take the best action so this we are able to do because uh, the platform is able to map that entire journey right from the you know first point of uh, onboarding till the time that uh, you know his entire uh, uh, let's say in the case of lending loan loan gets approved and uh, he gets the docket and uh, the, the money gets dispersed into his account so so we're able to do that
0: Interesting. Um, So context building becomes imperative when it comes to introducing new products in the market. In that sense, to be very honest, uh, fintech is very similar to podcasting, especially when it comes to India, uh, because India is the third largest ecosystem, fintech ecosystem globally. And in terms of podcasting also, it's the third largest listening market. So in that sense, uh, evangelizing of new products makes a lot of sense. Sunil, I have another question for you. Uh, From IT to retail, each industry in India has its own unique quirks. How can hyper-automation be custom-tailored to suit the unique challenges and opportunities faced by different sectors?
3: Great question. So, you know, while we spend time on banking and financial services, we have a fair bit of uh, uh, business which comes from, uh, you know, the other verticals uh, in, in the enterprise sector. Now the challenges uh, uh, at a principle are, are the same. Uh, in the case of banking, you have a core banking. You have an ERP in the case of case of enterprises, but the expectations of uh, the customers, which is you know the the customers, customer, uh, have changed. Uh, the 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 expectations in terms of the journey the expectation in terms of uh, the ui ux they have changed right. and even uh, for the employees who service the internal employees who service the external customers uh, not 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 just in the consumer facing businesses but even in a business to uh, business which is applicable for a manufacturing company who is doing business with their distribution channel or doing business with their suppliers so those expectations have have changed and that's where hyper automation plays a big part in making sure that you are able to uh, service uh, that entire ecosystem, the entire stakeholders, which are internal, which are external, give them the experience they want and uh, make information available to your internal employees with the click of a button, because they're the ones who are servicing those customers. Uh, And within that platform, there are various components, uh, which could be, for example, extracting data from a a document, or could be classifying uh, your your Aadhaar versus your license. And uh, so there's a bit of AI which is running there. Right. Right. Uh, Then uh, could be, uh, you know, uh, having a robust rules engine which allows you to uh, do underwriting in the case of a bank, uh, right? So those principles apply to enterprises also. And uh, we believe uh, since uh, we have a platform which is uh, you know, which is built on low code, it allows you to understand and uh, reimagine those processes and digitize those processes at scale, digitize those processes fairly quickly uh, in an agile manner, and uh, change them as business changes very, very quickly.
0: Of course, with AI, everything changes in a matter of seconds. (laughs) Um, Now, uh, since you're, you know, the head of the business group, uh, I'd really like to know from you, Ritesh, hyper automation holds promises for startups and small businesses. How might it open up new avenues for innovation and entrepreneurship in India's economic landscape?
2: So if you look at it, hyper automation is about doing things quickly. Correct. Build it for change and doing it in completeness. Hmm. The new SMEs, the startups which are coming up from uh, a business perspective, get a head start with hyper automation. They can literally work across all the three areas, build a fancy portal, build a fancy app, Integrate it into the back-end operations. Make sure that all the data that is there is carried along. And also, as Sunil talked about, the content itself gets carried from the front-end to the the mid-to-the-back. Correct. Now, doing this at any point of time was not so easy. Mm. Hyper-automation, low-code and technologies like this help the startups to really quickly gear up To be at par with the legacy organizations that have been there. And I think one one of the areas where the growth story of India would really kind of go up is for making sure that these startups are able to gear up, evangelize and do things in a more technologically savvy way. Hmm. as compared to any other organization and that's where hyper-automation and low-code actually comes in handy for these guys.
0: Makes sense, um, but you know when you talk about hyper-automation, you talk about low-code technology, uh, you also talk about AI, you talk about ML, you talk about RPA. Um, the thing is that there's, there are a lot of security concerns also regarding yeah. these new technologies. Uh, There are a lot of uh, concerns uh, with regards to data sharing, right? All of these things are there. Uh, So let's talk policy now, right? Let's bring the government into the question. How can the government's stance on hyper automation shape its adoption? And how can we ensure that it leads to growth that benefits everybody, including workforce development?
2: So you correctly mentioned that we'll split the two things, right? Sure. the security aspect and moving across the different technologies obviously has its own set of risks related to security but also governance and auditability becomes a major issue right that's where Nugen one comes in right Nugen one is one platform that allows you to gear up for the front end that's the portal the app the automation part of it the addressal of the content or the documents that mm-hmm. go along with it The communication to the end customers and what's most important is across the different layers, the auditability, security uh, and governance Hmm. is seamless. There are no leakages in the middle. So one platform that allows you to take it through. Hmm. So that's on the platform front or the technology front. On the other hand, the Indian government is taking a lot of measures in order to Make sure that such leakages are not there. Right. right? And also to make sure that the new policies are there to take care of the deficiencies that exist. One of such things is the ease guidelines that came out Hmm. to put the PSU banks at par with the private sector banks and maybe take it ahead. Hmm. So it's all about Indian government or the RBI or the Ministry of Finance can as much do as creating policies for the betterment of things but it's for them to adopt new technologies like hyper automation to put that into action Hmm. so PSU banks if you look at it today are doing a lot when it comes to digital lending or the way that they service their customers right and that's where technologies like hyper automation or new gen one come in and they actually make a lot of sense um, and it's not just the banks, insurances kind of working on same way. Uh, the way that cloud needs to be kind of taken care of right. is very, very imperative and you have policies for that. Mm-hmm. So I think with the Indian framework or the mindset of taking India to new heights, has the government pitching in very, very strongly for new policies and benchmarks being there to take care of things in fact if you look at it we uh, in our business we used to take uh, the example of west to kind of say that right. look it's doing so well but in today's times the west says that look at India hmm. which has get all the ingredients correct in order to kind of move it to the next level so I, I think we are on the right path and
3: as an Indian company we are there to make a difference. Awesome. So your thoughts yeah hey, look we uh, we've always worked I mean the industries that we work in are some of the most regulated industries uh, so it becomes important we've been doing that uh, at a policy level a lot of things that the that the government has done or or in the specifically for banking RBI has done uh, which uh, translate to what technology uh, can do to make sure that you know there is policy adherence. Uh, there is governance so a simple example of auditability in in all the processes that we do for banks now uh, that that really placed our strength and that's that's something we've been doing for 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 many many years mm. uh, with the AI coming in and with security becoming important and, and the new DPDP bill that's that's coming consent is 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 big there yes so when we work with banks on on uh, on uh, initiation or onboarding a customer, so we, our product and our platform supports uh, how we manage consent for for customers. Right? right. And as Ritesh mentioned on the cloud part, we we have been cloud native. So there are uh, uh, again in these highly regulated industries in terms of uh, uh, very strict compliances uh, about uh, your cloud uh, uh, deployments. Right. So that that's very central to what we what we do.
0: Interesting. Um, you know, it's it's really fascinating to hear about Nugent and all the things that you've really, really been, uh, you know, doing, spanning for almost three, uh, no, wait, three decades. three decades, 30 years, I was about to say, 30 decades, I was <laughs> about to say. <laughs> so spanning for about, you know, three decades, 30 years. Uh, can you share some standout moments, uh, you know, from your uh, company's history, probably something that you guys have witnessed yourselves?
2: It's a very, very interesting journey if you look at it. When we started, uh, we started with a vision of being a product organization. When the world was moving towards Y2K and solving that bug, yeah. Uh, the fact that we wanted to automate documents itself was a very tall claim.
3: Mm-hmm. Why?
2: Because scanning of documents meant storage was expensive, uh, data or moving documents scanned from one place to another place was expensive. And the scanner itself was expensive. So a vision of building a product, that too in the space of automation and management of documents, was a tall claim. Hmm. So it was much to kind of work with. But we stuck on to that. Our vision was that we will integrate people through processes Across the different geographies. Right. And that's where we coined the term one world, one workplace. Which even holds true today. Right. And not more than anything, but uh, it's it's something that we truly believe in. Mm-hmm. And all our endeavors are to make that a reality from the very beginning. So we marched on that journey, uh, relentless of uh, what people said. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we've done pretty well. So if you look at it, we started with building this company. We got our uh, fair share of international exposures. Domestically, we did really well. And the product evolved, automation evolved, and the way that people actually look at automation actually evolved. So I think we were there at the right time, right place to make all the difference.
0: Awesome. Generally, uh, when it comes to, you know, really, really advanced technologies, deep tech, uh, people who started earlier on, they generally end up saying we started a little too early, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Because with AI 2.0, right, with Gen AI, uh, things have changed so drastically. Um, People are adopting, I mean, most of my team uses Gen AI, right, just to generate content. Uh, so, so, so for you to say that we were at the right place at the right time, it it must have also meant certain other components were working for you. Uh, so, would you like to talk about those?
3: So, uh, Ritesh covered most of the important milestones as part of our uh, three-decade journey. Yeah. Uh, but for me, two two very important uh, milestones. One was when we got uh, listed on the. Uh, stock markets in india I think yes. that's, that's a fairly big moment for an india Absolutely. product company to do that one yeah. and secondly uh uh the last financial year ended FY 23 we we crossed a thousand crore revenue uh, milestone which is <laughs> uh which is uh you know very fascinating so and the
2: third uh we being listed in the Gartner,
3: yeah,
2: as a as a leader. Oh, so an Indian company yeah. being listed as a leader itself speaks a lot of the technology. Aspect
0: Absolutely, congratulations to you guys. Okay. Um, as we come to you know the end of our conversation, I'm curious about what's next for Newgen. Um, could you share some insights into the company's future plans and initiatives, um, especially in the light of you know constantly evolving landscape of technology and also business. Uh, with things changing in terms of the fintech uh, context, um, every Indian being able to get credit on UPI, you know, which is the plan. So so what's next? Where are you going next?
3: <laughs> Let me take that uh, with India as the backdrop. So uh, uh, India is at the right place at the right time. Uh, it's needless to say all the numbers of, in terms of the size of the economy, the growth rates. Right. But I think uh, we are very bullish on on India. Uh, we will continue to work on uh, on uh, product. We see a big opportunity in banking and financial services as they traverse the the next journey of uh, you know modernizing more applications, transforming, and uh, and uh, in the end, you know. Uh, servicing India, which is still an uh, underserved credit market. So we see a big opportunity there. And of course, there, there are other other uh, products there. We see uh, government as a big opportunity for us as government transforms from, uh, uh, from, you know, mission mode projects which continue to happen, but also government becoming more intelligent government. So they have swathes of data and we have been a key part of digitization of government in the next phase we see government becoming uh, becoming more in, you know intelligent and uh, for example giving you giving you uh, uh, an alert that your passport is coming up for renewal so you know correct uh, so so that that's the other area we see we see insurance as an in, at an inflection point uh, maybe a few years behind where banking is but that's that's another sector for us and obviously the the larger enterprise where uh, the ERP and the story is settled. There's a lot of innovation happening on the system of engagement, both for consumer-led businesses as well as B2B businesses. So so we're very, very bullish on this market and uh, we, have a, we have a fairly well-aligned go-to-market. We work closely with uh, a partner ecosystem to make sure that uh, we are adding value to our customers' business. Right. On the product front, if
2: you look at it, we have been investing, as I said, And we will continue to invest on the innovation that happens on the products because uh, we've already been, always been a technology led company. So we'll continue to invest on the products and also to increase our global footprint. So that's the other agenda that we have. Today we are present in a few countries, but we'd like to kind of expand that reach much, much more and uh, make it successful.
0: Interesting. I have a fun question for both of you. <laughs> so, basically, uh, you know, if it keeps evolving the way it does and uh, AI keeps happening to us the way it's happening, uh, what if the currency changes? Right? I mean, basically, right now, money is the currency, right? Money is the thing that makes the world go round. What if money is no longer the currency? Will the services still remain
2: the same? So if you look at it, um, CBDC is one such initiative which is transforming that the way that we look at currency itself. Correct. So that Correct. would evolve. Yeah. The way that you transact would evolve.
0: Hmm. Right?
2: So if you look at the human evolution as such, on a fun fact as well, Yes. you <laughs> moved away from a barter system to a coin to coins to a promissory note right and from promissory note somewhere no-
0: there blockchain
2: yeah blockchain <laughs> is the new one but yeah. uh, cbdc is the next evolution of it and you never know how it all evolves so ultimately you might be just left with one currency at, at a global level so Precisely. that's all the things that are happening but there would need to be some way of exchanging Goods, so I think that's the problem with civilization. So, you need to have some way of exchanging uh, some form hmm. so that you can manage the the balance between what one has extra and the other wants to kind of procure it. Yeah. So, that would oh, always be... we can be. just
0: go on a meta path. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh. you have any insights on that?
3: No, we couldn't imagine a few years back that we would... Uh, we would actually need not need a wallet. Right? Uh, phone is enough to. Yeah, transit.
0: I don't carry a right? wallet. <laughs> and with
3: uh, with UPI, you can pretty much do everything, and it's also a function of uh, you know the uh, the government's uh, initiatives. So yeah. today with uh, with. Uh, Aadhar and with UPI. Now we are coming into an era where we are talking of consent layer. So mm. uh, with account aggregator, mm. so it's uh, you actually won't need that. Uh, of course, CBDC coming in and, and it's it's in uh, you know this some same state, yeah. shape now. Uh, I'm sure it will proliferate. But uh, with digitization happening for every artifact, so you know uh, it's quite possible that we have a day where uh, we just exchange tokens. Uh, To transact, anything. So yeah, look forward to that day.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be fun. (laughs) Thank you so much both of you for coming on Mint etc. and sharing your thoughts on uh, automation, uh, low code technology, a lot of fun regarding AI, and also a little bit of regulation on AI. Thank you so much both of you.
2: Thank you for having us here.
1: So that's that for this episode. We really hope that you enjoyed what we discussed. And if you have suggestions in terms of what more we can cover as part of our podcast, do let us know. You can catch me at distant Vicinity on Twitter and at Shavik Das on Instagram. Thank you so much. See you next time.
0: To stay updated on this podcast, follow us at HD Smartcast on all the major social media platforms.